Hello again, friends, and welcome on into, well, we're just going to call it episode 135 of the SCO Show. Sitting here late night, Sunday night, September 20th, 2020, and the New England Patriots just lost a football game. 35-30, the final score on Sunday night football against the Seattle Seahawks. And those of you that have followed me for a while, listen to this show, listen to previous versions of this show over at the Locked On Podcast Network, you were probably expecting the sad music. And you were probably expecting a melancholy in the infinite sadness installment of the Sco Show, which is typically what I do when the Patriots lose. We play the sad music, we have the sad title, we have the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we generally wallow in sadness for about 25-30 minutes together. This game ended maybe 15 minutes ago, and I still have a smile on my face. And yes, the New England Patriots lost tonight. And yes, there are concerns with this team on both sides of the football. Although I think one of them, and I guess you can maybe make the case that both of them, aren't really that much of a concern because they're going to get sorted out. And one of them, I think, got sorted out in front of our eyes tonight. But more than anything else, A, this was a fun game of football. This came down to the final play. The New England Patriots were down twice by two scores and with three seconds left had the ball on the goal line with a chance to steal a win that had they done so, I think most people would have walked away saying this might be, you got to watch out for this team. This team's really, really good. And so the fact that they came up short, I'm not sad. So we're scrapping the melancholy and the infinite sadness music. We're scrapping the melancholy and the infinite sadness title. This was a game. They played well and they lost. So we're going to have the good and the bad from tonight. New format because when I'm this happy after a loss, we're doing things differently. Before we do that, though, the usual cavalcade of reminders to the outset. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work. Places like Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course, at Pat's Pulpit. And of course, also Touchdown Wire, part of the USA Today Wire Network. Covering the league, top to bottom with Doug Farrar and a cavalcade of others. So check that out as well. Let's start with the good. And... I'm going to kind of go big picture here in a sense before whittling down to some stuff. Cam Newton is tough to defend. And yes, you know this is a quarterback show. I'm going to focus a lot on the quarterback Cam Newton. But he's very tough to defend. And we saw that at the end of the game. Now, I think the Seahawks, they really could not generate any pass rush. But on those chances where either they did or Newton just couldn't find anything. He was able to make some things happen with his legs. He is just incredibly tough to defend, particularly down near the red zone, near the goal line. Yes, final play aside, maybe they should have done something a little bit differently there. He's extremely tough to defend. Two, Cam Newton, I think, is back. I think he's healthy. He got knocked around a little bit. There was a time tonight where I thought maybe 
his knee might have been dinged up a bit. But I think he's back. And the violence and the torque in the upper body and in the throwing motion, it was a thing to behold tonight. When they got down by 11 early and they had that huge drive, you had the incredible catch by Edelman, who also had a tremendous game. The very next play, he comes back and hits Ryan Izzo for that 16-yarder. And the violence and the velocity on that throw was something I don't think Patriots players have seen from one of their quarterbacks in a while. The seam to Edelman in one of the final three or so plays of that game, again, the violence and velocity on that throw, completely standing out. Just, I think Newton is back. And Collinsworth, interestingly enough, talked a lot about his mechanics and getting his shoulders square and things like that tonight. Fascinating insight from Chris Collinsworth, who does a tremendous job. I saw some people sort of dinning him a little bit tonight. I think he, Collinsworth is so good. We're going to talk about Gilmore and Metcalf in that matchup, but when he was breaking down Gilmore and Metcalf on a curl route along the, I guess, right sideline from the Patriots' perspective, tremendous insight there. The Cam interception, looking at Cam's eyes, the leverage from the defender Dunbar pre-snap and how he jumped it. Collinsworth does a great job. But... You know, back to Newton, I think the shoulders, the mechanics, the foot, the lower body, everything's there. And it was good to see him sort of dancing in the pocket at times. He wasn't stationary, wasn't flat-footed, on the balls of his feet, ready to go. He looks like the explosive athlete we're used to seeing. And he finished the night 30 of 44 for 397, a touchdown and an interception. There was a time earlier in this game when it seemed like the Patriots in the passing game, Josh McDaniels in particular, were very tentative, were very conservative, were very hesitant about putting this game fully on the shoulders and the arm of Cam Newton. But they got down twice in this game by two scores, and what did they do? They had to throw. They had to sort of take the kid gloves off and put the game in Cam's hands. And what did he do? Touchdown each time. And then they had a chance to go at the end of the game and win it. And they almost, by God, stole this one. And earlier I alluded to that there are perhaps two concerns right now with this team. One on offense, one on defense. The one on offense is they don't really have a well-oiled passing game right now. Now, as I said, that one seemed to sort of work itself out in real time. Because as this game went on, and in the two different circumstances, when they got down and needed to throw their way back into it, they were able to do that. And yes, Seattle struggled on the pass rush perspective. And yes, they were dinged in the secondary. And so you could say some things about, well, they were doing it against a tired defense that was dropping bodies left and right. They were able to do it. And they were shredding it together with Nikhil Harry, who, for those of you that question that dude's toughness, 
I hope you're sitting somewhere silent right now because that catch he had on the slant on the RPO, I don't know how he hung on, I don't know how he got up, and I don't know how he was able to fight his way back into this game. And they got down to the two-yard line at the end thanks in large part to a huge catch from him on a drive where he had a couple of big catches. And so, yeah, I think we can shelve the the Nikhil Harry is a bus takes for at least a week. But I think this passing game, it's showing promise, and they're doing it with guys like Edelman, who had a tremendous game. Damian Bird. Ryan Izzo with some catches. And if you cashed on the bet that Jakob Johnson was going to be the first player to catch a touchdown pass for the New England Patriots from Cam Newton, congratulations, Mr. Johnson. Because I don't think anybody saw that one coming. But that gets you to the difficulty of defending this team down in the goal line area, in short yardage situations where they come out with that QB power jumbo look and you sell out against the run. Would I have liked to have seen that on the game's final play? Probably. But so I was very impressed with Cam. I was very impressed with this offensive line. You know, I've mentioned a couple of times now where it seemed like they could not generate any pass rush on Cam Newton at the end. And I've said a couple of times that maybe they were gassed, maybe they retired, or maybe this offensive line was pretty good. And when you're seeing rumblings, Ted Wynn, who covers the NFL for the Athletic, was talking about how Isaiah Wynn was just stoning people left and right. I think there's something to be said about this offensive line starting to gel a bit. And there's... Oftentimes, you see this with offensive lines that are blocking for mobile quarterbacks. There's a bit more confidence to their play. Why? Because you know in the back of your mind that if you make a mistake, the guy behind you might be able to bail you out. You know, if you whiff on a block and you're blocking for, let's just take a hypothetical quarterback, um, Eli Manning. You probably thought I was going to say Brady there, didn't you? But no, I'll say Eli Manning. If you're pass protective for Eli Manning and you miss, you whiff, you blow up an assignment, it's probably going to result in a sack. But if you're doing that for Mahomes, for Watson, for Lamar, and yes, right now, given what we're seeing, Cam Newton, you're going to be okay. The guy might be able to bail you out, make some guys miss. One of the biggest... Plays early in the second half. Patriots had a third and 10. Just on their opening drive of the third quarter. And you're thinking, if you're anything like me, they're going three and out here, right? And they got off to a shaky start that drive. First and 10, check down, gets tipped at the line of scrimmage, incomplete. Second and 10. Newton kind of awkwardly sped things up, throws out in the sort of left flat to Nikhil Harry, I think, on a sort of seam route, falls incomplete. Third and 10, you're thinking it's a 14-14 game. They're going to go three and out. This is going to get ugly. Jamal Adams has a free shot, a free shot at Cam Newton. I don't know how that happened. 
I don't know if somebody missed something. I don't know if it was just a great late blitz. I don't know what it was. But he had a free shot at him. And Newton just steps around him, makes a throw into the teeth of their zone defense. First down. This offensive line played with confidence, and it's partly because of, again, you have Cam Newton. And so, look, we're going to talk about the defense in the second half of the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the run game, too, because they struggle. But Cam, the receivers, this offensive line, they're the reason why I've still got a smile on my face right now. They're the reason why this isn't a melancholy in the infinite sadness episode. They're the reason there was no sad music to start the show. Because they made this game fun. This offense was fun to watch tonight. I tweeted before this game ended that no matter how it ended, I was digging what this Patriots offense was doing. Is it a work in progress? Yes. Does it have things it needs to work on? Yes. Do I think they're completely comfortable with Cam in the passing side of it right now? No, I don't think they're completely confident yet. But let's face it. When this schedule was released, we looked at this game and said, you know what, this is probably an L. They were playing with house money tonight. Would it have been nice if they won it? Yeah. But I think this is one of those games where, yeah, even though you lost it, you might come back to it later down the line, November, December, and point to this one and say, you know what? Seeing how it all came together for us now, we knew that night. Now, maybe we didn't win. Maybe we didn't win that one, but we knew we had something. So, look, I'm I'm happy with what I saw from the offense. Up next, we're going to talk about the defense. Am I happy there? No, but there's a, a reason why. That's ahead. On episode 135A, look on the bright side episode of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on this look on the bright side episode of the Sco Show. And we got to talk about the defense because, as I said last week, how they were going to defend Russell Wilson, or at least attempt to defend Russell Wilson, and how they fared in that effort might be the biggest indication of what we would see the rest of the way from this team, right? Because you've got the athletic quarterback, all the things that come along with trying to defend an athletic quarterback, and all of the athletic quarterbacks that they have left to play, the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Deshaun Watsons, the... Yes, the Josh Allens of the world. And big picture, what did I see tonight? I saw the difficulties in defending a an athletic quarterback. I mean, and it started early. Look, they they tried that mush rush, right? Seattle's second drive of the game. You get the pick six to start. Yay, fantastic. Woo! But then they drive right back down the field. They get a touchdown to Tyler Lockett. They're trying the mush rush and live and a quick replay of it. It looked like Brian Cowart kind of dipped inside just a bit. So you had two guys kind of in one gap. Wilson sees it, dances through the now created crease in front of him, has time, makes a throw, touchdown. Here's another thing that I noticed in this game. Seth Galina, who... He doesn't listen to the show, so I can say he does fantastic work for PFF. I kid because I consider Seth a dear friend. And so if I knew he listened to the show, I'd say he does awful work for PFF. 
Plus, he's Canadian, so we get to make fun of him. Although, I guess we can't really make fun of him because we can't come into his country right now. But I digress. He pointed out early that Russell was taking a lot of checkdowns, throwing a lot of swing routes, which told him that the Patriots were playing a lot of zone coverage. And it makes a bit of sense. Because as we've seen from the Marcus Mariotas and the Blake Bortleses of the world, when you play man coverage against a quarterback like that, an athletic quarterback, you're going to get run on by that guy. Because if he sees the backs of every secondary defender running away from him, if he gets a lane, he's going to cut and go. Especially a guy like Blake Bortles, who was probably his best option. So the Patriots, to keep things in front of them, keep eyes on Russell Wilson, we're going to play a lot of zone coverage. And it, look, you get a pick six as a result of it. Devin McCourty's playing off in zone coverage. Deflection comes into your hands. You've got the play in front of you. You can make that play. The problem was Wilson started carving them up a bit. Because if you're going to play zone coverage and mush rush, he's going to have time to carve you up. And eventually he did. So then they start going back to more man coverage. And they were getting carved up some more. And we don't have a Stephon Gilmore problem in the traditional sense. I'm not worried about Stephon Gilmore. We have a Stephon Gilmore problem in the sense that he's going to go up against the best guys on the other side. And DK Metcalf is good. He's a good wide receiver. He's an example of overthinking the draft process. People got so wrapped up in measurables in a three-cone time, they forgot the fact that the guy's good and he can run vertical routes and his speed is such that you have to worry about vertical routes. The Seahawks did a Patriots thing. They asked what the guy can do. Can it help him win? Yes. And so the defense got carved up a bit. Give up five touchdown passes to Russell Wilson. But the reason why I'm not frantic about it, the reason why I'm not losing my mind over it, is that with three seconds left, the New England Patriots had the football and a chance to win. And they had the football with a chance to win with three seconds left on the Seattle goal line, partly because when they needed their defense to do it, their defense got them some stops in the second half. I mean, let's not forget for all the like hair pulling we're doing right now about this defense. They got the stop on Seattle's final drive of the game. Third and one, they go deep. And they got the stop. Seattle's eighth drive of the game. This is when it's 28-23. Remember, it was 28-17. New England goes right down the field. Scores. You get the deep shot to Edelman, the scramble, the throw to Izzo that I talked about. Quarterback zone keep. Knifing upfield. Like, they got back in the game. So it's now 28-23. You get a holding penalty on the offense. A run for two. Second and 18. Man-to-man coverage. You play man here. You get good coverage. Wilson's forced to throw it away. Probably should have been flagged, but okay. It wasn't. Then third and 18, they go inside run. They surrender. They punt. You get the stop. Then again, I mentioned just a few seconds ago, you get the third and one situation. They go deep. You get the stop. So all this angst about this defense getting gashed like they did, when push came to shove, when they needed two big stops, they got them. Now, would we have liked to have seen a stop on that drive that I didn't mention, the one 
in between them when they went right down the field and you hit Chris Carson for the touchdown on a beautiful rainbow throw from Russell Wilson. Yeah, you would have liked to have seen the stop there. But in today's NFL, if you can get stops on two of the final three drives from the opposing offense in a game that's vacillated between a two-score and a one-score game, that's usually pretty good. And tonight, on this night, it gave the Patriots a chance to win that game. So again, I'm. This is why we're not in a sad mood right now. This is all okay. This is all okay. I'm. I am completely fine with how this game played out. Would it have been better if they won? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm okay with it. The third down play calling from Josh McDaniels. Frustrated. Yes. Frustrating at times, particularly earlier in the game, right? The Nick Folk miss, which we will get to in a second. Why was it such a long field goal try to begin with? Because they went fly sweep to Rex Burkett on third and eight. And we've been talking a lot about Josh McDaniels over the years. And yes, there are times when his play calling makes you want to scream, even in a house with two sleeping children and a pair of kittens. And yes, this was one of those moments. Also, the speed option on third and four later in the game. I know that there are some that looked at that and said, yeah, you know what? If Newton makes a better pitch, that might have had a chance. It might have, but I'm not so sure. Adams was screaming in. I think even if Cam Newton makes the perfect pitch in that situation, it gets blown up. And to be perfectly honest, I think in that situation, Newton did make the perfect pitch because if he makes the textbook perfect pitch out in front of Rex Burkhead, Adams might make a play literally on the football. I'd have to go back and like really look at it. But ooh, that was a dicey one. So I think almost putting it behind him or on Burkhead's frame at least prevents the turnover there. But yeah, some of the third down calls were a bit questionable from Rex Burkhead. I mean, from Rex Burkhead, from Josh McDaniels. And that sort of indicates the lack of 100% complete confidence that they have in Cam Newton in the passing game right now. But I think on the plight, on the long flight back that lies ahead of this team, they're going to start looking at this film and they're going to realize that, you know what? We can let Cam cook, right? We can let Cam cook. That's the whole thing in Seattle, right? We're going to let Russ cook. We're going to let Russ cook. We're going to let Russ cook. And we saw that tonight. They let him cook. Threw the ball a ton. Maybe it's time to let Cam cook a bit. Other things that were bad, look, the, the the Gilmore coverage on Metcalf, the touchdown, the Wasp play, yeah, if you recognized it, that was Wasp. Metcalf's a good player. What are you going to do? Um, the Mush Rush touchdown I mentioned earlier, that was a mistake. Burkhead getting blown up, mentioned that. Holding on Jonathan Jones on Seattle's fifth drive of the game after the two-minute warning. You hate seeing that. Um, Newton's interception. Look, you knew that was coming. I mean, you you knew he was going to throw one of those. 
Um, he tried to cheat it a bit, thought he could get it there. Dunbar made a great read and a great break on it. Like, those guys get paid too. The speed option play, I, I mentioned that. Look, normally my notes are like riddled with like minus signs and check marks and all sorts of stuff. This was a fun game to watch. And I think the ultimate takeaway from it is that Bill Belichick, we've seen over the years, uses the first four games as an extended training camp in preseason. It's a learning opportunity. He's probably doing that right now with this very team. He's trying to figure out what they've got. I think they have a team that could win in today's NFL because they have a defense that can get stops when it needs to, which they did tonight, two out of the last three drives. They're a reason that they had the ball on the final play of the game, the chance to win. They have an offensive line that can protect the quarterback and is playing with confidence right now. They might not have the passing weapons that other teams do, but they have a quarterback that is going to make teams pay more often than not. And perhaps more than anything else, they have public enemy number one. As Bill Belichick called Cam Newton himself a couple of years ago, they have an athletic quarterback that is difficult to defend that enables you to play 11 on 11 again. Now, right now, in this sort of truncated, extended, whatever you want to call it, preseason. They're still figuring things out. They might need to stay and adhere to game scripts as close as possible. But midway through the third quarter, I was starting to think that maybe this wasn't totally going to work out. Maybe this... Is going to be dicier than we thought. But then they let Cam cook a bit. And yes, I'm stealing that. I'm not the only one that's stolen it. And they've sort of pieced it all together. And they were able to make some throws to Damier Burden, to Keel Harry, and Julian Edelman, and even Ryan Izzo. And suddenly, you got a chance to win this game. So I think more than anything else, this is a loss that I think you will look back on and think a couple of weeks from now, we kind of knew. And I'm not making a full one-to-one comparison or anything like that. But the year of the first Super Bowl when Patriots had a loss in a primetime game to the, to the Rams, the St. Louis Rams, and they lost by a touchdown. And look, what was their record after that game? They were 5-5. Five and five. They lost a Sunday night game, primetime audience, at home, to fall to 5-5. Five and five. But in the wake of that game, and in the weeks and the months and the years after, that locker room pointed to that loss and said, you know what, we lost that game, but we learned that night we can play. We can play with the best this league has to offer. Now, I'm not saying this year ends up with a rain. I'm not saying this year ends up with a trophy. I'm not saying this year ends up with a title. I'm not saying 
this year even ends up with a playoff berth or not. But the feeling I have tonight is that we're going to look back on this night and think, however this season ends up, maybe we knew tonight that this team could be good. And after all the question marks and the hair running and the concerns about the offense and all of that, we learned something tonight. We learned that this team could be good and this quarterback is legit. Now, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe this is where it unraveled. I don't know. But I had a lot of fun watching this game tonight. I had a lot of fun charting this game tonight as best as I could with the, you know, live football and stuff. I'm excited to see the All-22 of it because it was just a fun game of football, perhaps more than anything else. And I have to give credit to one of the great Twitter followers, Shane. Excuse me. Daniel Harms, at D underscore Harms 19. Football is pretty awesome. Seems we all forgot what that was like there for a while. And I mentioned Shane. At Shane, 74938711. I tweeted out, that was fun at the end of the game. His response, it really was. Can't remember a Pats game where we lost that I ended up smiling five seconds after. Old Cam is back. And that's where I am too. I'm right there with Shane. Sometimes, and it, it, I probably shouldn't admit this, I'm a 43-year-old man, but there are times after Patriots losses, particularly in primetime games, where I don't sleep. I toss and I turn and I wake up at like 5.30 the next morning and I've slept for maybe an hour and a half and my stomach is nauseous and I'm literally having throwbacks and callbacks in my mind to when I was practicing law. And I would have those awful nights of sleep on Sunday night. And I would wake up Monday morning exhausted and tired and in no way, shape, or form in a position to tackle the day. I'd have moments like that, like, like the Houston loss last year. That, that was one of those nights for me. I woke up the next morning. I was nauseous. I was anxious. I'm like, I'm 42-year-old man. What am I doing? This is not going to be one of those nights. I'm going to sleep like a baby. I'm going to get up in the morning and I start refreshing on Game Pass to see this all 22. This was fun. And I hope you had as much fun enjoying this game as I did. And I hope you had as much fun listening to the show as I did. Now, I do have to end on a bit of a down note. Because we got word before this game that James White was going to be inactive His parents were in a car crash and his father had passed away and his mother is in critical condition. And that's heartbreaking. This has been a tough year. And when you see a story like that, when you see yet another reminder of how quickly life can change, it's a reminder that You need to live this life appreciative of the fact that it is fleeting. That this life is the one shot you've got. And this year has offered many reminders of that. This year has offered endless reminders of that. 
But as I say at the end of these shows, you know, checking on your loved ones, checking on your neighbors, we should do that. We should check in on those around us. We should remind those around us that we love, that we do love them. You know, I'm reminded of of my mom and how we end every conversation reminding each other and telling each other that we love them, that we love them. Um, And I remember being younger and, and thinking it was a little weird or whatever, but I started to get it. And I hope those of you that are listening get that too. I hope those of you that are listening tell your loved ones that you do love them. Um, Because it's been a hard year. And this is just one more reminder in the seemingly endless reminders of how fleeting life is. And that we should cherish the days that we have with our loved ones. That we should appreciate their presence that we should take joy in their friendship, our relationships with those people. And every chance you get, tell your loved ones that you do love them. Every chance you get, if you can right now, hug your loved ones, do so. And when you get the chance to do that again, take advantage of it. I'm here because of the love that I have for my family and the love that you've all shared with me. And listening to the show. And I, I appreciate each and every one of you. Our heart, our hearts, our thoughts, our prayers go out to James White and his family in this time. We hope the best for his mom. I haven't seen any news on her. We are hoping the best for her. We are thinking of James White and his family. Do hug your loved ones. Take care of your neighbors. Take care of your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along. And bless those patriots' reigns down in Foxborough.